Hello. Good morning. Morning. Can you hear me? I see some heads nodding, but no voices. I guess that's uh, better for the recording. Seem to have lost the moderator, but um, nice to be with you all. Uh, and on a, such an auspicious occasion as in the Shinga Chaturdasi, Sri Narahari Ti Jai. So, uh, tasked with, uh, blessed with the opportunity to speak about the appearance of Narasimha Dev, and it's a big topic. There have been many, many lectures on this topic, and it's a, a topic that was relished repeatedly by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who, who is said in Chaitanya Bhagavat to have regularly heard from Gadadhar Pandit, who was the chief Bhagavat speaker in the circle of Mahaprabhu's close associates, uh, to have regularly heard from him the Bhagavat discourse of Gadadhar Pandit on um, Prahlad Nishingachari, the character of Prahlad and, and the uh, descent of Bhagavan Narasimha. Um, so it's uh, an important uh, leela for uh, Gaudiya Vaishnavas in a number of ways. And um, We'll go into some of them, but um, uh, one of the unique, I guess, features of the Nishinga avatar is that he is, within Hinduism, thought to be not only an avatar, but a vyuha. Vyuha means like an expansion within the part of Yom, within the spiritual world itself. And interestingly uh, for us, he is the first Vyuha expansion of the Chatur Vyuha, consisting of Narayan, Sankarshan, Pradyugnani Ruda in Vaikuntha. Uh, these four, to, to backtrack a little bit, Krishna expands as Balaram and Braj, and the two expand as Vasudev Krishna and uh, Ma Sankarshan, Mool Sankarshan, Krishna Balaram in Mathura, and then they go to Dwarka. And uh, there they're then accompanied by Pradyumna Nanirudha. This is the the uh, the first fourfold expansion of the Godhead within within the spiritual world. And from there they expand into Vaikuntha, the four of them. And from Sankarshan within that second Chaturvyuha, the uh, first vyuha emanating from him further is Narasimha. So there is this thought to be, anyway, the essence of the point here is there's thought to be um, a strong connection between Sankarshan and uh, Narasimha. Mm -hmm. um, in some uh, graphic depictions of Sankarshan, um, he is depicted to be cat-like also. Uh, 
and uh, on the club, not uh, the plow, I should say, the plow, of, which is one of the um, features of Mahasankarshan, as it is of Balaram, from whom he expands. Balaram is known as Haldar, who, who bears the plow. On the end of that plow is the head of a lion. Hmm. So this is a, another indication. There are many, many of them, but one that you'll much appreciate, I'm sure. Connection between um, Balaram and Narasimhadev. It's interesting to note in this regard that in Gaur Leela, when Nityananda Prabhu appeared on the scene to make um, everything complete in terms of Mahaprabhu's dissemination of Gaudi Vaishnavism, he had started Chaitanya Mahaprabhu with his, his, his uh, Sankirtan amongst his associates, much to their delight. Um, but it, was not, uh, it wasn't until Nityananda Prabhu arrived and seen shortly thereafter that it really got strength to expand it, uh, the, the, the circle of friends, if you will, in that context of, of Gorlila was uh, got strength and energy to expand considerably. So um, at any rate, uh, shortly thereafter, Mahaprabhu manifested a sadbuj uh, form of himself. Sad means six, buj means arm. So six armed form was revealed uh, to Nityananda Prabhu. Later and more famously, perhaps, the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu manifested in a six-armed form of Jagannath Puri before uh, Sarvabhama Bhattacharya. And there's an artistic uh, depiction of that form, I believe it's worshipped there eternally. Um, but the two forms are different in that while Chaitanya Mahaprabhu showed himself to Sarvabhama with the two hands of Krishna playing the flute, the two hands of Ram with a, a bow and arrow, and the two hands of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu with a kandalu, a, a water pot, and a, and a dandas, a sannyasi. He showed um, himself in six arm form to Nityananda Prabhu with two arms of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the two hands of Krishna as explained, and um, the, uh, at least, I guess, two of the four hands of Narsingadev. So he showed himself in a different sadhguru form. And these three, Krishna, Ram, and Narsingadev in particular, are singled out by Rupa Goswami in his Logo Bhagavatamrita, where he describes all the different uh, uh, avatars, types of avatars, vyuhas, and so on and so forth. Um, and he begins that with a emphasis on these three who, unlike any of the other expansions or avatars um, of Bhagawan, all are considered sadaishvarya, means in them all six opulences by which Parasharam the great Rishi, um, or in consideration of which opulences, 
Parashuram defined the word Bhagawan, who possesses all opulence as wealth, strength, fame, beauty, knowledge, and renunciation, which makes, which are the things that we're attracted to. The implication being that God's all attractive. So, um, so amongst all the different forms of the Godhead, we find uh, Krishna, uh, Nishingha, and Ram to be Sad Aishvarya Purna. And we could say that of Narayan too, but um, of expansions. So, uh, so he holds a very unique uh, uh, position overall, very popular within Hinduism. And um, he's very prominent also and popular within Gaudiya Vaishnavism. And as I said earlier, there are a number of, of, of reasons for that. Um, that incidentally comes through considerably in our particular Paribarka coming from Bhaktivinoda Thakur, who penned some beautiful prayers in praise of and, and petitioning of um, Narasimha Bhagavan in Navadweep, where he is said to have um, visited at some point um, in the island of Godrum, which is the island of Kirtan, um, which Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, of course, um, inaugurated um, in a special style, hmm? his Nagarasan Kirtan, accompanied musically only by the coal and the cartel. The coal means the Murdanga, and that, as it turns out, is the favorite instrument of Bhagavan Narasimhadev. Um, so in those prayers, at any rate, to Bhagavan Narasimha, Bhaktivinoda Thakur prays for his grace in the pursuit of attaining the Ragmarg. And it's peculiar in one sense because typically uh, Bhagavan Narasimha is worshipped in terms of the Vaidimarg, but um, this was the uh, vision of Bhaktivinoda and happens to uh, have some correspondence with uh, the Bhagavatam in terms of the story of Narasimha as it's told there um, by Sugadev to Parikshit Maharaj, who in doing so uh, cites a previous incident in which Narad spoke to Yudhisthira, and this story came out. Um, that's in the seventh canto, first chapter, I believe, of the seventh canto. Um, but uh, again, prominent in our particular paribar in terms of the prayers of Bhaktivinoda, the way he recognized him. And he was prominent in Prabhupada's uh, ISKCON as well. Uh, I was brought up largely in, in, in New Dwarka as Prabhupada named his temple in Los Angeles. And, and every day he would go and pay pranams after a morning walk to the deities, which he had established there three, on three altars, Gornitai, Radhan Krishna and Jagannath, Baladev Tubhadra. And then at, he would pay obeisances to each and then turn to his right to head to his asana. And as he turned and walked the full distance from the front of the temple to the back where his asana was seated in between on the wall, was a huge portrait of Bhagavan Nishinga, and he would always offer his, his pronouns like that to, to him as well. And he, of course, instituted the prayer, um, uh, a poem that's um, verses, I should say, that are were sung by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Jagannath Puri. 
where Nishingadev is also uh, prominent and connected with, with Baladev there. There's another connection there. Um, and he gave us those prayers to sing to protect us. Hmm? Um, because Bhagavan Nishringa is kind of the personification of this, among other things, this aspect of Sharanagati, Rakshit Shatri Vishpashbo, that Sharanagati consists of uh, six angas or limbs, hmm? the central two of which are the devotee's acceptance or embrace of the idea that Krishna is his maintainer, nobody else. Therefore, he doesn't pray to different gods and goddesses in the Hindu pantheon for this, that, and the other thing to take care of him. He just depends on Krishna. That's the idea of Govardhanam Tata. And that was taught by Krishna in his Govardhan Leela, where you may recall Nanda Maharaj and the inhabitants were preparing for the Indra Puja in order to get rain, in order to have grasses for the cows, and Krishna intervened and, um, and uh, invoked the wrath of Indra, lifted Govardhan Hill, and humbled Indra, uh, who then crowned him, along with the other gods, as the Upendra, or Govinda, the supreme Indra, the supreme chief, the god of gods, in other words, so in all of Braj, uh, Krishna showed, I am your uh, maintainer. Sarva dharman pratyajamami kam. Don't, don't fool with this varnashram. Don't participate in this idea of worshiping different gods and goddesses for this, that, and the other thing, trying to piece it together. Just worship me. Hmm? Take shelter of me alone. Everything will be complete. Hmm? So that's Gopurtve Varnam Tata, and sometimes that is thought to be the Swaruplakshan or the principal characteristic of Sharanagati. But next to it is Gop is is uh, Rakshikshatri Bishbashpo, and that's also sometimes thought to be the principal uh, or Swaruplakshan of Sharanagati. And that means that not only Krishna is my maintainer, Gopurtve Varnam Tata, but Rakshikshatri Bishbashpo, Krishna is my protector. And this. Um, this is very prominent in Sakiras, of course. We see this. It's a nice poem by Bhaktivinoda Thakur, where he sings, I, I, I will become a cow, and I will travel with the cow herds, and Krishna will defeat this asura and that asura, and, and I will be protected by him in all these instances, um, and so forth. Very nice poem. And he goes through various leelas, which, of course, the cow herds, Krishna's friends, are witnesses to, and no one else is in which he is um, um, demonstrating his capacity to be a protector. And it's, you know, he's only a coward boy and these big yogic uh, demons with all uh, one method after another, observing the previous asura and henchmen of Kams who failed, they try another method hmm, to, to defeat him. Of course, he defeats them all. So this is prominent um, in, uh, in Sakirasa, this, this, this idea. Um, and it, it's part of the reason why, as I mentioned earlier, when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu showed the six arm form in Nityananda Prabhu included Narasingadeva, because of course he's, Nityananda Prabhu is, is, is the Mool Sankarshan himself, he's Balaram himself. And, and um, 
situated in Sakirasa and so forth. So this protecting feature of Bhagavan. And, and, and this is very central, of course, to his entire uh, Leela as he manifests in this world and protects, as we'll see if we, as we go forward with the narrative, um, the best, arguably, of all devotees ever to appear in the world from a certain perspective, and we'll go into that, Prahlad Maharaj, Bhakti Prahlad Maharaj, Kejai. Hmm. So the story um, of the uh, Avatar, it's uh, told, as I said, in the seventh canto in about 10 chapters. The subject matter of those chapters is, is Ananya Bhakti, Shuddha Bhakti, Uttam Bhakti, and Prahlad is, is of course the example. Um, but uh, there's another prominent devotee in there, and of course that is Hiranyakasipu, who's not appearing like a devotee, but an adversary, and provides the circumstances uh, by which Nishingadev can demonstrate in no uncertain terms that, that he is capable, that Krishna is capable, who is the deity of Prahlad, meditating on Krishna as he did, that Krishna was capable of protecting one. Uh, so we, like, as I said, we'll go, we'll go into that as we go forward with the, with the narrative. But um, aside from the seventh canto and the 10 chapters there, there there's no uh, avatar. Avatar Tattva is one feature of the Bhagavatam, discussion of the different avatars. And if you go through it and understand it properly, you'll see that, that this, is a, this is a topic that's sheltered under the shelter giving topic, which is Krishna. It was Krishna. One of the reasons that Krishna is the ultimate shelter is because look at the other things that are sheltered under him, one of which is avatar tattva, all these different manifestations of Godhead. And, and the other nine subjects, or ten principal subjects of the Bhagavatam, so nine of them are sheltered. The, the tenth one is the shelter of those sheltered, uh, their aspects, the nine of the one. And the one is Krishna, of course. So, um, so at, at any rate, um, uh, amongst the avatars, and, and there's no text within all of the sacred books of the Hindus that more elaborately discusses avatar tattva, different types of avatars, the yuga avatars are discussed, the, the um, um, Shaktivesha avatars are showcased there and so forth, Leela avatars and so, and so on. And so it was easy for, well, relatively easy for the Goswamis to draw from the Bhagavatam, their central text, and write as they did um, about the different avatars of Krishna and, and demonstrate, make it clear to us how they are all uh, avatars and Krishna's the avatari, the source of avatars. Uh, so at, at any rate, amongst all the avatars and all the avatar tattva discussed, no one's given more attention than Nishingadev. Ten chapters hmm, in the seventh canto of the Bhagavatam uh, about him and his leela. That's, that's a lot. Uh, uh, Ram gets a couple of one or two chapters uh, later on, I think in the ninth canto. Um, and then and it doesn't stop there because uh, prior to the seventh canto uh, narrative of the details of Nasringa in particular is of course the third canto's uh, narrative where Brahma is speaking to the devas 
and um, about Baikuntha. It's such a nice section about Baikuntha. And I was just a young, young man, 22 years old, reading the Bhagavatam descriptions in the third canto of Baikuntha. I was so amazed. Uh, uh, I, I was uh, brought up as a Catholic and there was such a shortage of information about what God looks like, what he does, and, and what's, the, what's heaven like, and so forth, that the impetus to go there was lacking with the world pulling on one in, another dire- in other directions, um, and so forth. So, to, so, of course, I was captivated by Prabhupada and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Sankirtan and the Hare Krishna Mahamantra and so forth. But by the time I read the third canto, it was, it was just very gratifying to uh, hear, and not gratifying, but electrifying, really, to hear the descriptions of Vaikuntha in such details. And I thought, in my simplistic way at the time, how could anybody not read this? And, and, and not, you know, that's it. We now we, Nobody's ever talked about it before. What's the spiritual world really like? Uh, you know, um, he doesn't have, you know, no face, or as, as sometimes he's depicted, or... Nothing can be said about him. Not enough can be said about him. This was very electrifying for me. So anyway, the, this is a section where this story really begins in the third canon with the Bhagavatam. Brahma speaking to the devas about Vaikuntha. Um, and um, it's related to the to the to transgressions, if you will, of a of of um, was it uh, Diti, uh, Aditi and Diti and the birth of the gods and the, and, 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 and the demons and so forth. So anyway, Brahma is speaking to them and, he, and, and, he, and he's describing Vaikuntha. And in the context of that, he speaks of his four uh, sons, his first original four sons, the Kumaras, who uh, are older than the old. I mean, they're Brahma's first sons. So there, there's nobody older than the Puranas, than, than the Kumaras in the universe. But they appear just as uh, infants, uh, just uh, kumaras. Well, kumar means children, hmm? not even you know boys. If you not boyhood, even poganda, but childhood. Um, and of course, the significance of this, in, in in one sense, is that when you reach a certain age, you better be wearing clothes, or it's a problem. Uh, but unless you're some rishi from the Himalayas, and that could be a problem too. We've had experience like that. I remember one of those rishis from the Himalayas walking naked in Vrindavan, chased Brindaranya through the marketplace at one time, seeing her long, you know, blonde hair. <laughs> she had to be protected by merchants and so forth from the so-called rishi. So, but anyway, um, the Kumaras, they were rishis and they were naked. And the implication, of course, is that at a certain age, in childhood, well, you don't have to wear clothes. It's not a problem. The child walks into a social situation uh, in, in their in their childhood without clothes, it's, and nobody takes issue whatsoever. Just cross over into into, into boyhood and starts, you know, or uh, boyhood, girlhood, boyhood, both. It starts to become a problem, right? And then you start to wor- wonder about what to wear. Probably girls start to worry about what to wear first. And, I remember when I got a sweater for the first time for Christmas, I was so disappointed. What kind of fun is that? You know, a sweater, yeah, you know, that's no fun. <laughs> of course, later on, you know, that's a big, you know, 
That's that's a big thing for somebody. A nice sweater, how I will look. So the Kumaras, they they symbolize in a sense this uh, stage of self-realization in which um, which is very high but very basic, obviously, to go to Vaishnavism. That um, it's it's a well, it's a transcendental gender orientation. <laughs> So <laughs> to transcend uh, gender uh, sensibilities and, uh, and differences altogether um, is very much part of what we're um, involved in, even as we then begin to see ourselves as gopas and, and gopis in the spiritual world. That's all transcendental to the gender differences here in this world. Which are so prominent, and it's just such a—it's such a ridiculously prominent issue in such an such a ridiculous way now in in in, in North America, in the United States. It's just bizarre. I mean, how preoccupied people are with the, the, the transgender, you know, issue of excuse me of um, addressing the fact that that some children just seem to grow up. They got their mind in one place and their body in another, right? Their mind, they have a mind of a woman and a body of a male. So it's, it, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a problem for them. So it's a big issue for some people that they, they, they just can't, they have to, they insist. And from a religious point of view, a fundamentalist religious point of view, that they have to get their mind in line with their body. Hmm? Now, I'll ask the question, what's harder to change, your body or your mind? It's harder to change your mind than it is to change your body. Why don't we just change the body to align with the mind? We've got to change one of them. And if there are procedures that by, by which it can be done, then as Prabhupada said to his first transgender student who reported her um, gender sensibilities to him in a letter, he wrote back, pick one and stick with it. Hmm? Pick one and stick with it. Either you're going to be a woman or a man, whatever. Pick one, stick with it, and chant Hare Krishna and be happy. That was his uh, definitive way of weighing in on, on the issue that's just from, from a fundamentalist Christian, apparently, perspective um, in this country. It, it, it's crazy. It's crazy uh, the way they look at it, uh, as I'm pointing out. Excuse me for this aside, but... Uh, um, it's somewhat relative uh, <laughs> because as I say, I mean, they want the mind to be the same with the body, but then they philosophically speaking or theologically speaking, they will advocate Christian theologians, obviously that the mind is different from the body. Hmm? They would identify the mind more with, with, with the Atma. We go a little further, distinguish the Atma even from the mind, but feelings and emotions and so forth, they, they, they're not physicalists, but this is kind of a physicalist argument. Hmm? Your, your mind has to align entirely with the body. Hmm? Otherwise, you're weird. Um, so anyway, um, the, the Kumaras, they were, in another sense, transcendental, transcendental to gender uh, the, the sensibilities. And so they could, they could go anywhere is the, is the import. And Brahma, what is describing by Kunta, talks about the travels of the Kumaras within the, the, the internal travel 
you know, we travel outside, we move from place to place, but we don't stop to think from a Vedanta perspective that the places, the physical places, are really coming out of consciousness. They're, they're appearing within the theater of consciousness. And we make them up. They're made up places. Russia is a made up place. It's just in your mind that Russia exists. Hmm? Or Ukraine, or the United States, or uh, Great Britain, uh, Poland. They're, they're just constructs, right? And then you make up rules and put it on paper and, and the, you, you play the nation state game. These are just imaginations, if you will. They don't last the test of time. The Redwoods here, right in, on our property in Audari will, will tell us how many people have claimed that this is this, this is what it is, this is the name of the place, this is what goes on here, these are the rules here, only to be uh, passed on and everything change, right? Mm -hmm. They've been here for hundreds and hundreds of years, five, six, seven, eight hundred years, some of them. So imagine how many people have claimed ownership and said what the place is about and what the rules are and how it works here and so forth. So these are, it's all this is, this physical reality, if you will, it's all just coming out of the mind. They're all ideas. Everything's appearing in the theater of, of consciousness. And so given that fact, well, why not put more emphasis on consciousness rather than this particular uh, physical manifestation coming out of consciousness? Let's go within. And of course, that's what the sages do. So they went within and deep within. They found worlds within consciousness hmm? that were totally consciousness constituted hmm? rather than being constituted to some extent of, of the Maya Shakti, hmm? Hmm? which is... Um, also one of the Shaktis of Bhagwan. So there they, they, they came to the gates of Baikunta. Is, is the, and well, they were quite uh, startled by that. Imagine knowing that you're not the body, all names and forms, these are all just mental constructs and the world's here today and gone tomorrow. And, and, uh, and if it all wraps up, you'll enfolds explodes, nuclearizes, whatever, you'll still be there, here, wherever that is, everywhere, right? <laughs> here, there, everywhere. You're an Atma. Hmm? Um, you're not located anywhere. Um, you can go anywhere. Um, uh, in one sense, you, in, in one sense, you are Sarvagata, as the Bhagavad is everywhere. So uh, in that space, suddenly coming in touch with forms, names, and beautiful, stunning gates of Vaikuntha, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, like um, something like uh, Shraddha, Sadhusanga, Bhajana Kriya, Anartanivriti, Nishta, Ruchi, Asakti Bhava, then you're in something like that. <laughs> Different gates. So anyway, they came to that, what I think was the seventh gate, and there the attendants, Jai and Bijai, were present. Now, what happened was um, previously, uh, Lakshmi Devi had uh, gone outside the gate for something and to come back in, and the gatekeepers, they, they, uh, uh, 
they made her pause out of in devotion to Narayan, who they thought was resting, and they didn't want her to go in to his to his compound. She took exception to this. Now you see, this is just a feature of Vaikuntha. Narayan is supreme. We they don't go Jai Lakshmi like we say Jai Radhe in Vrindavan. Jai Lakshmi, Jai Radhe, Vrindavaneshwari. That's not the story in Vaikuntha. Narayan is not henpecked. He's not controlled by Lakshmi. That's not happening. They, they can't relate to that idea. He is the supreme Godhead. That, that, the, the idea that there could be a, a form of Godhead that's superior to or the source of, let's say, of Narayan, and in, in that sense, be the most worshipable of all worshipable deities, but that on top of that, he has a worshipable object that is Radha. This is like make the yogis uh, come out of their trance and uh, and, and so forth. So uh, so so anyway, she complained in private to Narayan. These guys, they did this. They they yeah. but that's that can't be a public affair. So she took exception, and she registered this with with Narayan. So this is part of why, part of the many reasons for the um, descent of Jain Vijay into uh, the material world um, in three different births. This is part of it. Um, of course, the Kumaras came there shortly thereafter, as I'm mentioning, as Brahma describes, and they were checked at the gate um, by the by the guards. And uh, you could say for, for good reason, on the one hand, um, and at the same time, um, well, the, the gate, the guard, the gatekeepers, they took exception, they cursed them. Ryan came out on the scene and said, oh, you've, cur you've cursed uh, them. And he spoke about it in such a way as to indicate to the Kumaras that these gatekeepers and I are, are, are one and different. And then they started to think the Kumaras, oh, maybe we've made an offense. Meanwhile, Narayan said, no, 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 the, the, you, my gatekeepers have made an offense. You are Brahmins and sages and, and a, a sage. A Brahma should always be invited into the house, hmm? given hospitality. Hmm? Um, and whatever the Brahmins say, I will always uphold. This is my dharmic perspective. So what's happening here is Narayan is starting to enter into a dharma-vira rasa. Hmm? Dharma-vira dharma is one of the, uh, vira rasa is one of the secondary rasas. It's compatible with dasi rasa, which is prominent in Vaikuntha. And Narayan had an urge uh, to experience, to taste, to relish dharma-vira. So how are you going to do that? I mean, this place is dharmic, you know, to the, to the, to the extreme. It's Vaikuntha. How are you going to champion the cause of dharma uh, when there's, there, there's no one to show, exhibit heroism of establishing dharma to when it's already well established? So the Kumars are, are coming and they're allowed to come by, by, by Narayan's arrangement. And he has this appetite developing for Dharma Vira Rasa. So he, he starts, he starts to express it. Now, this is an element coming from outside of Vaikuntha. 
allows them to start to express it. Oh, the, the Brahmins, the sages, this is the dharmic perspective. They sh there should be no doors barred for them. The doors should be made open for them. They should be allowed to come in and given hospitality always. They're only serving for man humankind. And um, I worship the Brahmins, uh, my, myself, whatever they say, I, I guarantee that will, you know, the actual Brahman, that Brahman's word will come true because they represent truth, sattva. So he's, he's starting to enter into this dharma virarasa. And, um, and so he honors the curse of the sages who then start to think, uh-oh, what do we do here themselves? Even though they're reassured by Bhagavan, then they go on to praise Bhagavan. And, uh, and then the gatekeepers are told by Narayan that you're going to have to go to the material world for three births and honor the, 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 the curse of the sages. And, um, and, and at that time, you will practice um, Samarambha Yoga. Mm -hmm. It means like yoga in anger, mm -hmm. which is considered to be an abhas of yoga, a semblance of yoga. Yoga is meant to do away with anger, greed, lust, and all such things. Um, but yoga is also about controlling the mind, right? Centrally, this is central to yoga, to control, to capture the mind, by which then all the senses will be captured and so forth. And, um, and then rather than taking us out in connection with the sense objects and creating an identity uh, that's false and illusory, by controlling them, through controlling the mind, then we turn inward and we find that the Atma is bigger and better and more beautiful than anything we could make ourselves out to be by adding things onto ourselves and having material identification and so on and so forth. So, um, uh, uh, while, while, while yoga is meant to do away with anger, uh, frustration and so forth, he told them to do uh, angry yoga, now you can, you can probably find that somewhere in the world. We've got this yoga, that yoga. So angry yoga. Okay, get angry and get absorbed. Uh, something like that. So he said, your offense is really an abbas. There's no real offense that you gatekeepers create. It's only a shadow or a semblance of an, of an offense. So we'll rectify it with a, a semblance of, of, um, of, of, of a method for overcoming offenses. And, and so he's setting them up, of course, then to be his opponents through, in relation to whom he can relish in their three births, this Dharma Virarasa, which is compatible with their own Dasyarasa. The inhabitants of Baikuntha, like Jayanti Jaya and Dasyarasa, they, um, they could become attracted to this Dharma Virarasa as it appears in Bhagawan, as it might appear in another devotee, establishing dharma, or it might, as, as it may appear in themselves, hmm, establishing dharma on, on behalf of the Lord. So this is an instance in which they were taking a, a dharmic role superficially, and Bhagavan is going to take the dharmic role, and they are going to relish internally dharma rasa, hmm, seeing Bhagavan establish dharma and through themselves, while on the surface, this is the deeper side, on the surface, they're practicing what he prescribed for them this ang angry yoga. Hmm? And the interesting thing about that, um, if you will, is that when we come to the seventh canto, 
of the Bhagavatam, where this story now is going to be told in detail of this particular birth among the three, and that of Hiranyakasipu. Hmm? Um, it comes up because uh, Sukadeva is speaking to Parikshit Maharaj about the um, impartiality of Bhagwan. Hmm? asked about it as he was by Parikshit Maharaj. And in the context of speaking about the impartiality of Bhagwan, um, which is a good quality to be impartial, right? Hmm? Rather than to be purchased by, by a particular group and, and not equally representing everyone and so forth. So God's impartial is the idea. Um, in the context of explaining that, he says, well, and there's, a, there's a story about this uh, um, where this comes up. Uh, comes to mind, I'll tell you it. And he relates, uh, he, 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 he tells the story of Yudhisthira Maharaj asking Nard about the extraordinary event wherein Krishna liberated um, Shishupal. Even though Shishupal was absorbed in enmity of, with enmity for Krishna. How so? The fact that Krishna gave liberation to Shishupal in the midst of his uh, blasphemy of Krishna is an example of his impartiality. He gave gave liberation to Shishupal, and he gives it to his devotees as well. Um, uh, the story of Sister Paul is, is interesting because from his very childhood, when he first began to speak, he would criticize Krishna. And he would criticize Krishna's Brajalila. Who is this guy? Because he was a Kshatriya. And Krishna's, well, is he a Kshatriya? Is he a Vaishya? What is he? We don't know. Of course, the answer is he's, he's above all of these things, right? Ultimately these designations um but you know here he is he's later on in life he's a prince uh, and but what is his background you know uh, we don't we're not sure who his father is this is very good is it Vasudeva or is it Nandamar he's brought up by these Gopa people uh, and suddenly he's here as a prince he shouldn't be so he had a, he was Sisupal was completely from childhood absorbed with enmity for Krishna. Hmm? Now, the, the interesting and significant point here, of course, is that um, in this, while explaining the impartiality of Krishna in terms of his liberating Sisupal, despite his, his uh, blasphemy, in, in that instance in particular was it during the Rajasuya, when Yudhisthira recommended that we have to choose as a, a part of the as part of the practice here, the sacrifice, the first worshipable person. Which person will be worshipped first in the assembly? So he decided it should be Krishna, should be the first person worshipped. And Sisupal took exception to that. And he spoke like a hundred blasphemies, hmm. or 99 or something like that. Hmm. And after the after 99, Krishna liberated him. Um, and so it was, it was startling to Yudhisthira as well. So Sukadev 
So Nard explains, well, you know, he gives liberation to those who are absorbed in thinking of him, regardless of how they got there. Hmm? And whether it be by karma, by sneha, by uh, enmity, by fear. So he goes through uh, the positive, well, the, the different ways in which we find very extraordinary absorption of thought in Krishna, that only Krishna, not Vishnu, or any of his avatars can draw out of somebody. That's called rag bhakti. Hmm? To some extent, maybe there's some, if you go from Braj to Mathura, you're going to find Krishna. That form is mixed. You can get mixed rag with Vaidhi or in Vaikuntha. And as you go in Dwarka, and you go to Vaikuntha, the rag starts, the part starts to fall off that much more. But, it, but as Jiva Goswami explains in his um, Bhakti Sandarbha, the, the real the full face of rag bhakti this is krishna in braj hmm? krishna so the the contemplation i mean krishna is human like you see so uh, we're humans so his human likeness has this capacity to to uh, um, draw us in and bond with us emotionally in ways that you can't bond with God in Vaidhi Bhakti. You can't, you, you have to more set your emotions aside, if you will. It's a more, um, I mean, there's the emotion of servitude, but, but, but you know, in, in Dasya Bhakti, but friendliness, romantic love, parental love, which are more human-like than service. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, we, we have teachers, we learn from them and so forth, but these are, you know, more, more, more prominent. Um, this is in relation to Krishna because of his, he's human-like. So he is the, the prime de, primal deity of the Rag Marg. And Shishupal is, is, is Haranyakasipu in his last birth. This is his last of three births. This is Shishupal. Jagijaya appeared as uh, Braha and the Sringa, then, uh, then uh, what, uh, Ravana and Kumbhakarna, I believe, and then uh, Sishupal and Dantavakra in Krishna Lila. And it was only until they got into Krishna Lila, of course, that the curse was over and they were liberated. And for that matter, the, the tattva here is also that only Krishna gives liberation to the demons, not Vishnu. Hmm? Hmm? Now, uh, uh, Bhagavan Nishringa assured Prahlad in the end, your, your father will be liberated. That's already happening. But it will happen when he takes birth of Shishupal is the implication. And Krishna gives him liberation. That's not within my purview, Nishringa, Dave said. Although I'm an expression of Krishna, your de deity was, was Krishna, is Krishna. He came in this form, given your circumstances, Prahlad, and what was required. Still, Krishna will, will, will do that. That's who he is. Hmm? Um, that he so he is that uh, if you will impartial that merciful as people approach him so response so anyway one of the points here that's very interesting is that this is a leela in which Narayana of Vaikuntha hmm, wanted to experience Dharma Vira 
And it, it ends with regard to um, uh, Hiranyakasipu taking birth as Sishupal and going back to Godhead with a, a um, emphasis on the virtues of Rag Bhakti. In fact, in that section of the seventh canto, Narada tells Yudhisthira, I'm a Vaidhi Bhakta. I worship God. Hmm. And this is what he says there anyway. There are other ways to look at him as well, but he says that I think that the absorption that we see in Sisupal is greater than that which you can arrive at through Vaidhi Bhakti. You can't get that absorbed. And the whole idea of Bhakti or of yoga is to become absorbed, to control the mind, to become absorbed within and ultimately in Bhagwan. You can't get as absorbed as as mentally absorbed hmm, um, in, in, in Vaidhi Bhakti as you as I see the absorption of of uh, Sisupal. He's not uh, uh, saying that his enmity is a virtue, but he's saying by enmity he got absorbed, and that's the goal. Some and the absorption. Mental absorption was so so extraordinary from his very childhood. He was absorbed. He was like totally preoccupied with blaspheming Krishna. <laughs> that the, that the absorption, the mental absorption, does to get away with the negative effects of blasphemy, which ordinarily would be done here or there. You blaspheme Krishna, God, and and you have to accept the results. But the absorption that that ordinary people who do that don't have. Hmm? isn't there, so that has to be made up for in other means. But with regard to Sisupal, it was done away with by his absorption. Hmm? Of course, he, he he didn't get Gopi Bob. He went back to your you know Braj Bob. He went back to the, where he belonged at the at, at at as one of the gatekeepers of Baikuntha. But the story, anyway, the point is, it starts out with with um, Narayan wanting to taste Dharma Vira, and it ends in a sense with Ranikasipu taking birth of Sisupal with a note for thought, for the thoughtful reader of the Bhagavatam. Hmm. Dharma, in its fullest sense, that Narayan wanted to taste and protect, is the Prem Dharma of Braj. Hmm. The Prem Dharma. Prem, where, 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 where there's, there is no Dharma Vira, you know, kind of establishing Dharma. It said the Vishnu in, in the Prakat Leela does that through Krishna. He is just his, his leela, his dharma is praying. Hmm? Uh, so, in that sense, uh, as I say, uh, this this leela does point to us, hmm? uh, point us to the what the Bhagavatam is really all about from the Gaudi perspective, that of Ragmarg, and so the prayers of Bhakti Vinod Thakur uh, that I mentioned earlier, petitioning uh, Dev in this regard, are you know they have their place. It's just one of the ways. To look at that. Um, so that said, um, it's a beautiful uh, story hmm? itself. Um, the tale of of um, of I want to say in betweens. It's a tale of in betweens. Hmm? You, you have uh, uh, Shingadev being half man, half lion. Um, um, 
we'll go on with the story and you'll see what I mean by that. But um, but at any rate, uh, the two principal players, and they're both devotees, Prahlad and a string of father and son, when Parikshit Marsh heard from Sukadev um, a little bit um, about this story, because after concluding his narrative impartiality of Bhagwan by relating the story that Nard told the Yudhisthira about Sishupal, he um, also mentions to Pritchard Marsh, who, who Sishupal is, you know, is fairly close to him. You know, he, he's just um, one generation away or so. Um, and uh, he says, by Nard tells Yudhisthira, um, the extraordinary status of Sisupal that you ask about how he got liberated despite his uh, enmity. Um, it's also tied to the fact that previously he was from Baikuntha. So he begins to tell the story. He was a gatekeeper in Baikuntha. And, um, and he first appeared in the world as Hiranyakasipu and he tortured his son. And Brigitte Marsh could not imagine that some a father could torture a son. How could that possibly? Be the case, be, be the case, and so he, he's, he's, his interest has been perked. So he asks, "What happened? How did that? What what what's that all about?" And so then he begins. Of course, he said he he. I should mention this point too, a very significant point. Um, um, you just dear Nard tells you just dear that previously this sister Paul, hmm, who you you know and you know he's part of the the whole dynasty that you're related to and so forth, was a gatekeeper in Baikuta. Mm -hmm. uh, but he fell down from there and he became Hiranyakasipu uh, uh, and mistreated Prahlad. So, and Parikshitmar says, I don't believe that. Says, I do believe that anybody could fall from Baikunta. They have spiritual bodies. Mm -hmm. They are completely absorbed in, in, in their Taratnika with the, with, the, with the Sarup Shakti. How could they possibly fall down. You can't fall from Baikunta. So this is the one place in the Bhagavatam, the only place where this question has arisen in modern times in Gaudiya community internationally, does anybody fall from Baikuntha? It's addressed in the Bhagavatam, right? Right here in this section. And the definitive answer um, from the rhetorical question, if you will, of uh, Parikshit Marjas, no one can fall from Baikuntha. There must be extenuating circumstances. Now, Nard said they were cursed by the gatekeepers. And what Pritchett Marge is saying, even by the, excuse me, they were cursed by the sages. Even by the curse of sages, I don't think it's possible anybody could fall from Baikuntha. How can the sage, what the sages position is one thing, inhabitants of Baikuntha, that's another thing. Hmm? So of course he's right. And, and, and um, uh, Sukadev gives a nod and goes on and says, well, you know, there are extenuating circumstances. This is how it all happened, right? And the story is told in brief, that which is told in the third canon in greater detail of the Kumaras coming, uh, cited earlier, meeting the gatekeepers and so on. And then quickly from there, summarizing that briefly, then uh, Nard goes into the story of Hiranyakasipu, his appearance, Prahlad, the appearance of the Shringa, and so forth. So so, so briefly, uh, of course, Hiranyakas was, you know, the, was, was pretty good at his uh, angry yoga, <laughs> quite an angry guy. And he was angry at Vishnu, uh, 
um, who people were calling God because he had killed his brother, uh, Hiranyaksha, in, in the Varaha avatar, is the story. So he wanted to avenge his brother, and he, he really wanted to, uh, well, defeat God. And, and, and the story is basically one in which um, uh, atheism is uh, surfaces and the dismissal of the existence of God on the part of Hiranyakasipu, and we see the, the, you know, the result. So, for example, what, uh, what he started to do Hiranyakasipu first was to stop sacrifices to Vishnu. He got he got power. He got a lot of power. He wasn't well. He was a powerful guy. He was a king himself. Even his community, where where from a dharmic perspective, Brahmins, their sacrifices, their religious practices are are meant to be protected. Well, he just did the opposite of that. So uh, he he from a religious orientation to God, which is the broader orientation rather than the mystical orientation he started there and attacked all the religious uh, and stopped all the religious performances um, by the brahmins and so forth and so on um, and this is his attempt to say well you know you, you you're worshiping god for this that i stop these sacrifices and see i supply these things myself i'm the king here so this worship of Vishnu is, is, is folly. You're worshiping God, which is to get things, which is what the karma mark is about, basically. But I can supply these things. Hmm? Um, so that was the first attempt. And then he wanted to go further. Hmm? And so then he, he pursued the mystical explanation of God, if you will. There's the religious basic explanation of God as a dispenser of favors and um, and so forth, the provider. And then there's the mystical explanation of God in which uh, one comes to realize the difference between himself and the body has no need for material provisions and so on and so forth. It's a, it's a question of moving towards I am rather than my and the I that arises out of the my. Hmm? Hmm? The, the I, as I often say, that arises out of the my, this is mine, is very fragile because nothing is ours and nature shows us that again and again so that i am it doesn't it doesn't endure but there is a real i am right of the atma of the self so this is a this is a superior religious orientation in, in, in a sense and that is where dharma is left behind and gyan you know becomes uh, and dhyan, knowing in a true sense of the term, and meditation becomes possible, and so on and so forth. So one rises above the, the laws of the Varnashram in that sense through dhyan and, and dhyan. So he became a meditator. He basically said, hey, look, you know, this fundamentalist religion stuff is all BS. You know, it's bullshit. Hmm? That's what he said. And he, as a lot of people say it today. Hmm? You know, it's like the fairy tooth god. You know, do you believe in that? You know, you know, it's just fantasy. Um, so you can see the relevance of this. It's the same thing. Got Hiranyakasipu type of propaganda in the world today, like that. And 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 then that argument aside, you do away with the mystic, with the with the 
think you've done away with the religious orientation and show the folly of that, um, then there's the mystical, theological, uh, you know, side, right? Mm -hmm. um, which is more uh, going more to the heart of what the re religion is, is is really about. And so in today's world, we find people like Irani Kastipu who said, okay, you know, we say that there's nothing but physical forces, that we don't need any God or anything like that. But mm -hmm, there is something called consciousness. It arises out of the brain at a certain point. Um, it's, it's dependent on the brain. It's really just an epiphenomenon of the physical world. But, it, it, uh, but it's interesting. And there's ways to explore it through meditation by which you can become more uh, happy in, in the world, more balanced. And so, you know, secular meditation, let's get rid of all the religious garb, you know, baggage that surrounds this for centuries and we'll do secular meditation. Hmm? Um, and there are people teaching this today. They're, they're very, they emphasize this point. They say, yes, I mean, you're not, it's not that you're gonna live forever. There's nothing like that. This is the misinterpretation of, 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 of exploring conscious through meditation with religious baggage and so forth. Mm -hmm. You take away that baggage, there's no evidence that we're gonna live forever, but there, you could live more contented, more content mm -hmm. and more uh, tread lighter mm -hmm. on the world mm -hmm. by exploring through meditation, the, uh, the, the, the dimension of our being that we call consciousness. Hmm? And uh, uh, so they're, they're promoting meditation and but dismissing the, those who actually have deep experience in meditation over the, over, you know, the, the Christs, the, the Chaitanyas, the, the Rumis, and uh, this one and that one and so forth, um, uh, it, 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 dismissing their, their report on what it is, hmm? right? Um, they, although they were deeply there, obviously, without going very deeply, just talking about a theorizing about a secular meditation, they're thinking that they, actual mystics, misinterpreted what their experience was and thought they were eternal. You know, that's not true. Mm -hmm. But there are good things to be found in there and so forth. So Hiranyakasipu's turn towards mysticism is, is, in a sense, an attempt to also dismiss God on that level. And he went into meditation and he lived and he and and um, he said he, he lived inside of his bones and his body was covered with I think an anthill and so forth and and so the gods became fearful of him hmm? because he was like going beyond their jurisdiction they provide heat light this that and he didn't need these things so they were who is this guy you know and uh, and he, he so he was saying there's no God and establishing himself uh, in, 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 in the, in the, the very idea that there's, there's no need for God. Um, um, and it frightened the gods, hmm? whose, whose bhakti, if you will, is sakama. It has, it's, it's, has desires connected with it for uh, something in the, in the world. So, 
it got to a point where, like I say, they were afraid he was beyond their jurisdiction and, and Brahma appeared on the scene, right? And so what did Rani Kasipu say to Brahma? Um, so it's, it's interesting, of course, there's a relationship between ourselves and the gods, right? But there's a, you know, there's a way to, we're dependent upon them, there's a way to overcome our dependence upon them, where they start to become subordinate to ourselves. So he had reached such a position and Brahma had to appear and he, using his intelligence, uh, thought, okay, you religious people talk about living eternally. Well, without religion, I will live eternally. Hmm? And therefore, I want a benediction from you that I will not be uh, die in the hands of any man or any animal. Not in the water, not in the land, not in the air, not by any weapon, hmm? not in the day not in the night, so on and so forth. He made a whole list, right, to beat the system. His idea was, I will become, I will live forever in this body, right here and right now. And that's going on in today's world too. The richest people in the world, their preoccupation is beating death through additives, uh, what would you call them? Uh, Vitamins, I don't know what, there's a whole, you know, thing about it. Um, what do they call that? Um, anyway, trying to uh, uh, increase the duration of life and beat, beat the system. Everybody wants to live forever. That's just a fact. Hmm? They want to live forever and happily. Hmm? They're unhappy, but they think, well, if we keep trying forever, we'll, we'll probably get there, you know. <laughs> And that's the teaching of Vedanta, that you can live forever happily. They're so opposed to it, but that's what they want. We're just saying in order to do it, you have to do it like this. You have to give things up. You have to go to backwards. We're not in for that. No, we're not going to go. We're not going to give up things to get it. We're going to take things to get it. So what our perspective, of course, is that, that this, this drive, if you will, to live forever and happily is coming from the fact that that is the actual position of the Atma. It is inherently happy and it does live forever. And it's coming to the fore in human life, more so than it does in any other form of life. And so questions about itself are, are, are arising and humans are trying to address them in ways that the scripture tell us to address them and by which we'll get the answers that we need and realize an experience living forever happily, but um, the prescriptions in the scriptures are considerable for those that are moving in a, in a direction of acquisition, because they talk about giving up rather than taking, giving rather than taking, loving rather than exploiting. I mean, of course, we all agree with that. We should love rather than hate, but on what level? The text, the Bhagavad wants to take it to such an extreme level, which is required. Hmm? But um, not too many people are up for the task or, or interested. They're try still trying to find other ways to accomplish the same things that, that from the, of course, Godi perspective are even, for that matter, easily accomplished comparatively, that giving up is easily accomplished comparatively to other methods given in the scripture. Hmm? Um, because the method involves embracing Krishna, 
taking Krishna into one's life. Um, ultimately, um, if you want to own something, own Krishna, like the Brajbasis do. You can say, he's mine. Mm -hmm. That's brain. He's mine. He's ours. He belongs to us. Mm -hmm. um, and he's very compelling. If we, if we study the person of Krishna, he's very, very attractive. Uh, so that then becomes comparatively an easy way to give up these other things that, that, that don't compare to him, right? Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, per, so Hiranyakasipu, he's trying to live forever. He, he, and Brahma gives him all the benedictions, of course, and he thinks that he's beat the system. And, uh, and now he uh, has sent his son to school and he, he asked his son, uh, you know, what's the best thing you've learned in school? And, and he says, Vishnu Bhakti. <laughs> so this is a problem. Uh, for the for the king's son to be opposed to that all that he stands for, and um, so he, he takes exception to that. Um, he sends him back to the to the teachers and and puts fear in the heart heart of the of the other teachers who he's blaming, you know, for mistreating him. They wanted to teach him about politics. Hmm? Um, and, and, which means friends and enemies, friends and enemies, and he had nothing to do with it. He had no, he saw no friends and enemies. He was impartial himself, Prahlad, right? Um, so the teachers who were accused of teaching him this knew that they hadn't, and they, they asked him, how did, where, where did you get this teaching? And of course, he said, I got it from my guru. So Prahlad is considered hmm, to be, a, a, in this sense, a what we call Kripasiddha, hmm? Uh, the Bhagavatam refers to him as such uh, because what happened was when Hiranyakasipu became powerful hmm, and the gods became fearful of him hmm, and then he, his wife became pregnant, they were concerned that, that the son would follow in the footsteps and be you know, equally demonic. And so they wanted to uh, kidnap the wife and abort the child. Hmm? Um, that was their their um, intention, but Nard intervened, and he taught the Bhagavatam to Hiranyakasipu's uh, wife, Prahlad's mother. But in teaching the Bhagavatam to her, he sent his intentions to the child within the womb. So his intentions were so powerful uh, of a blessing that they created all the samskars for Bhakti. That Prahlad came out of the womb absorbed hmm, in thought of Govinda, Krishna. He was a devotee of Krishna. It's mentioned throughout these 10 chapters of the Bhagavatam. This was his, his Krishna was his Ishtadevata, his, his deity. Um, he followed Krishna like its examples given, like the, like the planets are thought to be revolve around the pole star, Dhruva. Dhruva means like it's fixed. Hmm? as Prabhupada said to, to Krishna in his prayer, it's fixed forever that if you please Radharani, your life will be successful. Nothing, that'll, nothing will ever change that. That's the fact. So he was like this. Anyway, he was drawn naturally, spontaneously, like couldn't be distracted from Krishna. This was, this was Prahlad. So he told the teachers, you know, I learned it from my guru. Everything I've got, I got from my guru. 
of course, he's a he's a he's a, a in this way a kripa siddha who becomes perfect by by grace. But it's not that he didn't have to undergo difficulties. Hmm? They and and they, and they were extreme. Uh, um, ultimately, when um, no one could change his mind and so forth, uh, as we know, Anikasipu uh, wanted to do away with him, and through various methods, he tried to kill him. And um, in every instance, Bhagwan protected him, invisibly, visibly to Prahlad, but invisibly to Hiranyakasipu. And so what happened was what? The very thing that Hiranyakasipu wanted hmm, to be protected from all, everything in the world that could bring about your demise, the time that, you, that is limited, divided between day and night, one or the other, hmm, by in the hands of an animal or you know a man or this that the other thing um right uh, that which he wanted to attain and and pursue with great effort and exercise of all of his intelligence to come up with a solution great austerities he performed he stood on one leg for like you know forever long time um and this is common too there was a guy in Vrindavan years ago who the one leg baba he used to stand on one leg and um, and then pe stupid people came and gave him all money and everything like that. And then yeah, he built a temple and, and enjoyed himself, smoking ganja. And, and he, from Tiag, he got bog. Hmm? From bog, you get Tiag. From Tiag, you get bog. From, from, from bog of renunciation, you get tired of it, so you want to give it up. Then you pursue giving it up. Hmm? And and then uh, you get strength to get to get it. And so he, he, he got enjoyment out of his, his tag. So it's a suspicious circle, if you will. So at any rate, um, what Hiranyakasipu wanted hmm, and made a great effort for and was unsuccessful ultimately, hmm, Perlad got with no effort whatsoever. Hmm. All he did was glorify Krishna hmm, and go and Rakshikshata Divishpashpu, Krishna protected him in all instances in extraordinary instances, for that matter, hmm? where there were very um, concerted attacks upon him, his life, one way after another. Hmm? So that, the, the very thing that Hiranyakasipu wanted, by which he would demonstrate there is no Vishnu, he couldn't get. Hmm? But Prahlad got it, hmm? without any effort other than by glorifying Krishna. He demonstrated Krishna is, is the protector hmm, of his Sharanagata. Hmm. Hmm. And so ultimately, of course, Saranikasipu got frustrated and said, So you, you, you know, my enemy is Vishnu. I say there is no Vishnu. I don't see him anywhere. Do you see him anywhere? And Prahlad said, Well, uh, that's a weird question because there, you know, my answer is there's nowhere I don't see him. Hmm. And so uh Ranikasipu thought to be specific and said, well, okay, then he's in this stone pillar. But here in the Shing Ho, this is Prahlad. He's outside of everything. He's in my heart, inside, and he's outside everywhere. There's no, there's nowhere where the deity is not. Hmm? This is we have to come to this perspective where the deity in the temple is universalized. Sometimes people say, God doesn't need a temple. Why all this, you know, money spent on God? Give it to the poor people. The real poverty in the world is, is, is lack of, 
understanding God. And in order to overcome that poverty, we build a temple where people can get a rich experience of God in one particular place by going there under certain rules and with certain de dress, decorum, and way of conducting oneself and so forth. Hmm? Uh, you can get some experience of God. You don't go there and just do what you do everywhere else. You go to the house of God now. Today, we're going to go to the house of God. Come on, let's go, kids. We're going to go to house, God's house. We are dressed differently. We go to God's house. People don't like that sometimes these days. They invite them, but they want to dress in any way they want. They, they, they can, that's fine. But but even when we were kids as Catholics, we would go to God's house, we we're going to dress a different way here, you know, and we're going to conduct ourselves differently. So that, that's, that will help us, that can help us hmm, to get a, 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 a rich experience and overcome the, our poverty hmm, of, of, of our, 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 our lack of wealth hmm, in, of, of, of love of God, hmm? um, love of our source, hmm? even. So when you do that and you go to the temple, you, get, you start to get rich. And how the wealth expresses itself is that you begin to see God everywhere. Hmm? So the temple is meant to help you with a, by localizing God hmm, to that the deity then the universality of the deity will become apparent to you hmm? by the experience in the temple it carries with you hmm? and go and you come back and go and it carries with you and you begin to see the world then all in relation to you hear the talks there uh the philosophy and so forth and everything is starting to be looked at from a different angle and then you come to the, like i said prolog's position there was where do you see God? He said, there's, there's, no, there's nowhere I don't see him. So your, your question is confusing. Is he in the pillar? Of course he is. You know, and then, of course, he broke the pillar of Ranikasipu. And now it came a form of Krishna that uh, dealt with all of the arrangements uh, that uh, through Brahma that Ranikasipu had, had, had um, orchestrated and uh, sought and that he thought would protect him from death. And and he died at the hand, at the nails, not at the hands of, not by any weapon, but by the nails of the Shringa. Not in that, not on land or in the sea or in the air, uh, but on the lap. Uh, not in the inside a house or outside a house, but on the porch. It's kind of inside and it's half outside uh, on the veranda, and, and so on and so forth. So all of those, and he, at dusk, not at night, not at day, and so forth. So all of those assurances that that uh, that uh, Ranikasipu had uh, gotten did not save him. He could not beat, if you will, the system. Mm -hmm. And his 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 uh, his insides were torn out, and his long intestine was Shrinkadev garlanded himself with it. He's basically saying that. Your this represents your anarthas. Give up your anarthas for me, hmm? then I will call that. I will consider that decorating me. Hmm? That's the beginning of decorating me, hmm? and you will beautify yourself in doing so as well. You will become beautiful. Your 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 soul, your atma will start to shine out, come out from beneath the ugliness of the. Sens sensual demands in the mental world it's so small self-centered and selfish such a small picture give up those in artists to me 
and you decorate yourself. I, I accept it as a garment. So we wore it like this is a garment. And meanwhile, the gods saw this appearance of the Shingadev and they were like terrified. They had never seen anything, anyone like this before and they didn't know what to say. And, you know, for the most part, like I said, they're Sarkama, so they have some desire. So uh, here is the Shringa like militating against material desire that makes one so ugly, ultimately. Hmm? Kasipu was ugly. And, and so they, they didn't know how to, how to pacify him. So Brahma calls Prahlad over and says, maybe you can talk to him. Hmm? Be careful, you know. It's Bhagavan, we've never seen him like this before. But Prahlad, of course, was just, had no problem, walked up, sat on his lap, and, and the, the fearful lion-like Narasimha became like a, like a kitten. Hmm? with Prahlad on his lap, patting him on the head and offering him uh, a benediction. And of course, uh, Prahlad's prayers uh, are, are very beautiful in this connection where he, he, he doesn't want anything. And if, he, and if Bhagwan Shingen insists, then he says, we'll give my father liberation. And Bhagwan says, that's already happening. And the long story, that's the short story. That's all he said there, the long stories. He'll take birth at Sisupal. And in my in my original form of Krishna, I'll send him back to the gates there and so forth. So Prahlad selflessness um, and um, Shruta Bhakti is uh, is the the, the real um, um, focus of the text. There are many many beautiful prayers and teachings of Prahlad about Uttam Bhakti that we can find there in these these ten chapters, um, and. His glory is such that uh, Sanatana Goswami, for example, a moment we'll conclude with this, the glory of Prahlad has said in Brihad Bhagavatamrita that uh, there is no one in Vaikuntha who is a greater devotee than, than Prahlad. He's celebrated as such in Vaikuntha. Amongst the Nitya Siddhas, he makes the point, none of their love has been tested, but Prahlad's love was tested. Hmm? And he never, for it, it never uh, um, wavered, you know, for a moment in light of all types of very uh, difficult circumstances. He was tested, and he says also there that um, just see the virtue of Prahlad's bhakti. By that, Bali Maharaj got Vamana to be his uh, doorkeeper. And the grandson, great grandson, uh, 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 who's probably much being related to Prahlad, and Banasur, further relative, uh, also um, was blessed by Bhagavan. He says there are different reasons by which we could come to the conclusion that Bali and Banasura were. Uh, benedicted by Bhagavan, we can look at it from different angles, but he dismisses all of those and dissects them. And, and it comes to the point that the only reason that they really got the blessings that they did, hmm, they were like Prahlad from the Daitya dynasty, if you will, from the from Diti rather than Aditi. Hmm, uh, so the, 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 the demonic, hmm, uh, Prahlad is born in a demonic family, right? Uh, still, the only reason he, and he comes to this, the only reason they were blessed because 
of Prahlad, Prahlad being in their family. Hmm? So this is the psychology of love, if you will. If, if someone's in your family, you, you know, you got to kind of like, well, you know, I got to care for them, even if they're a little weird. Um, but um, uh, if Bhagwan loves you, then he is, his, his love, his affection, his mercy, his kindness will be extended to those who are connected with you, even if the connection is only uh, bodily and so forth. So the, the, the exalted position that was attained by Bali Maharaj and the blessing of Banasura, hmm, there are many relative reasons, but the ultimate reason, he, he, and he, he explained it very nicely there, is because they were related to Prahlad, such as is the power of, um, of his, his devotion, and he goes on, as I say, to say, no one in Vaikuntha is, is, is considered to be more, have been more blessed than Prahlad. He's the perfect example of a devotee. So now you can start to see why Chaitanya Mahaprabhu would like to hear this Lilo over and over again, and how important Prahlad Maharaj, an example, his example is to us, even while our ideal is Braj Bhakti, which was not the, the uh, status in transcendence attained by, by Prahlad. For good reasons, he had his own destiny. Hmm. But his selflessness, um, he exemplifies the beginning of no material desire in the context of bhakti. You have to get there hmm, to go further. Hmm. Uh, and I'll conclude with this. Um, the importance of the story uh, for Gaudiya Vaishnavas is such that when Balabhatirtha Maharaj um, who passed away a few years ago, the successor of Bhakti Daitya Madhav Maharaj, disciple of Bhakti Siddhanta, and godbrother of Kujapat Sridhar Maharaj, and my Guru Maharaj, Esi Bhakti Vedanta Swami Prabhupada, um, he um, uh, gave a series of lectures on Prahlad and the Sringalila, and it was published in a little book. And in the book at the back, he wrote, those who say that they've already heard this story they want to move on. They are the ones that have to read this story the most. Uh, we never tire from getting the lessons from this and how essential they are, how basic they are to the ideal that we um, pursue. And there's a touch of rag also in Prahlad. We can see that his, his, his mental absorption was, was ex ex extraordinary and his deity was Krishna. And we find it in Hiranyakasi Kutu in the form of Chishupal, as, as I said. Um, instructing us at least about the virtues of Ragmark, this Leela does. So it's very important to us, very appropriate for us to include him in our worship. Don't um, think otherwise, as I've heard sometimes other Gaudi questions say, well, we're in Shringari, we don't worship him, we worship Radha and Krishna. So these are not good, good, well, well thought out comments. I shouldn't have even mentioned them on such a day, but um, I do so only for, to emphasize the importance Shri Narahari and Prahlad. Gold Premanandi Haribo. Oh goodness, it's all at 10 o'clock. I didn't realize it took up an extra half an hour of your precious and valuable time. So uh, we can take questions tomorrow. Tomorrow we'll get to get together again. Tomorrow is the appearance of Radharaman, and that's also connected with this Leela. Hmm. Radharaman Didi of Gopabhata Goswami. Gopabhata Goswami Kijai Radharamanji Kijai. Gold, Premanandi. See you tomorrow. Okay. Bye. Thank you so much. <laughs>